You know, Hebrews chapter 11, we often call the hall of faith. It lists men and women who are known for their faith and living a life of faith. And when you think about the people in the hall of faith in the Bible, what type of person do you imagine uh, is there? Who would end up in the hall of faith? I think if we're honest, we kind of picture a person who has it all together. They seldom fall or fail or fumble or sin while they face many challenges in life because after all, they do exercise faith. They certainly they don't struggle in doing what God has called them to do or to live as God desires them to live. But then we begin to go through the list. We begin to work our way down through the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and we come across a character that kind of messes up that image for us. Um, in fact, we probably could say we come across several of them. But, but this man I'm talking about today, when you look at his life, in all honesty, and when you read his story, um, you may begin to wonder if the man was even saved, much less an example of faith. In fact, when you look at his life, it kind of looks like a mini-series that would appear on Netflix with maybe a warning about what you're about to watch. I'm talking, of course, about a man who is in the Hall of Faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews in the 32nd verse. And what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson. Samson. The Bible's strong man. When you think of Samson, if you grew up in church or you've been around church or you do know his story, what do you think of when you think of Samson? You might think of long hair. You might think of super strength. You might think of a woman named Delilah. In a real sense, when you think about Samson's life, we may remember Samson's failures more than we remember his faith. He was a man that seemed to be led about by his passion rather than by the Spirit of God. And while God would make Samson physically strong and he'd be able to do feats that are just unimaginable from a human standpoint, morally, he was very weak. Now, we don't know what Samson looked like. If you get a children's Bible story book or you have read his story or seen his story, he's often pictured, I'm sure, like a muscle-bound man, kind of like the rock of the Old Testament. And he's there in all of his uh, physical strength and, and it's just quite the specimen. But we know the Bible says that his strength was due to the Lord's enabling him and the Spirit coming upon him. And so we don't know exactly what Samson looked like. But today I want to begin a series of studies on Samson's life. And so if you'll take your copy of the Bible and go to the Old Testament book of Judges. We're going to be near the end of the book and you could put a marker there because we're going to be studying together uh, the book of Judges here beginning in chapter 13. And in chapter 13, we're kind of told how Samson came to be. But before we dive into his family proper and kind of see his birth history and how he ended up on the scene, we want to begin with the first verse that kind of introduces the story and kind of sets the stage for this man named Samson. If you look at the first verse in Judges chapter 13, 
If you have your copy of God's Word, you can follow along there. I've also put this verse on the screen. It says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, I want you to notice the very first word in chapter 13 is the word again. And it's a very important word. It's a very telling word. In fact, the word kind of reminds us of what's going on in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, we kind of have a cycle that keeps repeating itself. What happens is the, the children of God there, um, they would disobey God. They would do wrong in God's eyes. And then God would deliver them over to be punished, to be disciplined, if you will. And then after a time, the people of God would cry out to God for deliverance. And God would raise up a deliverer. We think about them as judges. Don't think long black robes and, you know, Judge Judy type thing. But these are leaders. These are folks that would come along and, and rally the troops most of the time, rally the people, and deliver these people from bondage. And so when you get to chapter 13, it's interesting. It says again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them this time into the hand of the Philistines and it would take 40 years. And part of that time would be during the time of the judge we're studying here, that is Samson. And so we have that cycle repeating itself. They do evil, the God delivers them over. But the interesting thing is this time we don't see anything in the Scripture about the people crying out for deliverance. We don't see that this time. But the Lord in His gracious goodness, nonetheless, He decides to bring about a deliverer nonetheless. And as I've read and meditated on this chapter, I've come to focus here in chapter 13 on the goodness of God. And over and over again today, you're going to see the goodness of God in Judges chapter 13. Now, I want to read the entire uh, section here, and then we will go back and we'll talk about it. We're going to read the entire chapter, and I want to read beginning at verse number 1. And I want you to see the beginning of this man named Samson. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, or Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall, notice this, begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. 
And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or a similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? And when your words come to pass, that we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, because we've seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. Verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana Dan between Zorah and Ashtori. We know God will bless the reading of His Word. As I said, we see the goodness of God all throughout this story. And a lot of times we think about Samson, we forget this part of the story. We think about him, you know, his feats of strength and all the things that he did and his failures. We forget, though, that Samson had a mom and dad. We forget that Samson had a family life. And here I want to show you uh, the goodness of God here in Judges 13. Notice, first of all, we see the goodness of God to his people. We see the goodness of God to his people. God could have just left his people to continue on under this bondage under this affliction of the Philistines, but he decides to raise up someone who would begin the process of delivering the people from the hand of the Philistines. Repeatedly, we see this in the book of Judges. And furthermore, do we not see it throughout the entirety of the Bible? We see that God's people rebel. They rebel. They disobey. And in loving kindness, God comes along and He very graciously, very kindly delivers His people. 
Now here it's interesting to see how he brought about this deliverer. He didn't work the way that we might have worked. He didn't do it the way we might have done it. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. It's, it's very um, important. Listen to what he says. When God wants to do something really great in his world, he doesn't send an army. He sends an angel. He doesn't send an army. He sends an angel. He said the angel often visits a couple and promises to send them a baby. His great plan of salvation got underway when he called Abraham and Sarah and gave them a baby named Isaac. When he wanted to deliver Israel from the Egyptian bondage, God sent baby Moses to Amram and Jochebed. And when in later years, when Israel desperately needed revival, God gave baby Samuel to Hannah. And when the fullness of the time arrived, God gave baby Jesus to Mary and that baby grew up to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Isn't it amazing to watch our God at work? Isn't it amazing to see how He does things? He loves to take the things that we would say, they're of no count. He loves to use those sorts of things and those sorts of people that He might receive the honor and the glory. You never know when you look at a baby exactly what God has in mind for them. And here you have this baby, baby Samson, and he's born to this couple. And we see the goodness of God to his people. He's sending a deliverer, but we also see the goodness of God to this couple. Mr. and Mrs. Manoah. You see, they're childless. She's barren. They've been left without the joy of a baby in their home. And they've been left really with the scorn of those who would look down upon them because they were childless. In this day, in this age, in this culture, to be without a child was a very difficult thing. It would have been a very challenging thing. Probably a very emotional thing for them. But their lives here are about to change. The angel of the Lord appears to them and gives them an amazing announcement. And by the way, many scholars believe when it says the angel of the Lord, this is not talking about Michael or Gabriel. Many scholars believe who's being talked about here is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Now, it's before Bethlehem, it's before he's robed in flesh, but he comes as a theophany, a Christophany. That is, here is the Lord coming and he comes as an angel of the Lord. And we believe it may be the case because when they ask him what his name is, he says, why do you ask my name? Because it is wonderful. And then we think about what Isaiah says, for he shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, uh, the Mighty God. And so we understand that this may be none other than Jesus appearing to them here in the Old Testament. And imagine the surprise. Imagine the shock and the suddenness of an angelic appearance, possibly Jesus himself coming. And he comes with this announcement. And, and, and Mrs. Manoah here, she knows this is not just anybody. His countenance, all, everything about him, she understands this is a messenger from God. And he says there, you're going to give birth to a son. And he's going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite. So be careful what you eat. Be careful what you drink. Now, some of us today in our world, we read this and we think, well, that makes sense. Because when a lady's pregnant, what do they tell you? Be careful, don't drink wine, don't drink alcohol, don't do these things. Be careful your diet, because whatever you eat, the child's going to eat and so forth. But the reason he's told this is because this child's going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite. Not a Nazarene, but a Nazarite. Nazarites were those people who would separate themselves unto the Lord, and they would take these restrictions upon themselves, these certain rules, 
You can go read about the Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6. And the Nazarites, they wouldn't drink wine or similar drink. Uh, They did not cut their hair. And they would not touch a dead body. Now, usually a Nazarite, they took these vows temporarily and voluntarily. They would voluntarily enter into this. But this is not the case here. This child, Samson, is going to be a Nazarite from the womb. In fact, he's going to be a Nazarite while he's in the womb for all intents and purposes, even before birth. I love to read the interaction between Mr. and Mrs. Manoah. I love to see this couple. They lived in a time of great darkness. They lived in a time of great apostasy. Remember, God's people have have rebelled against God and, and God has delivered them to the Philistines. But here we have this couple and they were obedient and they were faithful and they were submissive. Never forget when you're reading your Bible that you're reading about real people and real families. This is not just an imaginary or make-believe couple. This is a real man and woman. They're there as struggles. They've been childless. She's been barren. I'm sure they've had tears shed. I would imagine they probably have prayed maybe even for years. And now God comes and says, listen, you're going to have a son, a special son. He'll be a Nazarite from the womb. Be careful what you eat. Be careful what you drink. In fact, we see the wonderful goodness of God in His dealing with him. She goes and she tells her husband that she's had this special messenger. She's received this message. And I love what happens. Manoah, I want you to notice his response. He believes his wife. And in verse number 8, it says that Manoah prayed to the Lord. And I want you to look at his prayer in verse 8. He says, Oh, my Lord. Notice it. My Lord. Please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again. And notice what he asked in particular. And teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. God, I want to know. I want to know how do we need to raise this child? What do we need to do? We see a submission again. Verse number 12. Look at it. Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? And God in his patient goodness and His graciousness. He even works to make sure that they understand all of this is true. The angel of the Lord, possibly Jesus Himself, as they're offering that um, on the altar there on that rock, He actually ascends back in the flame back to heaven. So they're there standing and here this angelic being, possibly Jesus Himself, ascends back to glory in the flame of the altar and the sacrifice. And they fall on their face and great fear fills their hearts. But then Manoah reminds us that he's human because his response is very interesting. He's convinced that they're going to die because they've seen the Lord. And I love this because Mrs. Manoah She comes along and she's the voice of reason and she reassures them. Did you notice it? Look at verse 23. But his wife said to him, (laughs) now can't you just hear this interaction between this husband and wife? I mean, this, this really brings them down to where we live. She just looks at him and says, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands. 
Nor would He have shown us all these things. Nor would He have told us such things as these at this time. <laughs> Honey, stop for a moment. Pull yourself together. Think about what you're saying. If the Lord was going to kill you, would He have done this, this, and this? No. And she reassures him. The Lord is so good to this precious couple. Well, God's goodness continues here. And again, we're just kind of getting into this uh, part of Samson's life today and we've got a lot to come. But we see the goodness of God towards Samson. We're going to see it all throughout our study. And as I've told you in years gone past, as we've studied different Bible characters, by the way, I love studying and preaching through Bible characters. And I've told you probably in most of those series, if not every one of those series, that in every story of a man or woman of faith, the hero is always God. The hero is always God. And that's going to be the case in Samson's story. The last two verses here, chapter 13, tell us that Samson was born and he grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of God began to move upon him. Now, we're not told a lot about his childhood, just like we're not told a lot about Jesus' childhood. But we are given a summary here. He was born, he grew, the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. God had a special plan for Samson's life. And despite all of his failures, despite all of his sin, despite all of his poor choices... God still uses Samson. More on that later. But before we get done here in chapter 13, I can't help but think about the fact, as we looked at this so far, that not only has the Lord been good to His people and good to this couple and good to Samson, the Lord has been so good to us. He's been so good to us. Just like God would raise up a deliverer for His people here in the book of Judges, God brought forth a deliverer for us. You see, we were like the children of Israel. We were in bondage. In fact, some here may still be in bondage. We were in bondage to sin. We're dead in our trespasses. We're unable to help ourselves. We're unable to deliver ourselves. And we needed a deliverer. We needed a rescuer. We needed someone to come and free us. And the deliverer that we needed had to be greater than Samson. Because our deliverer had to be one who had no sin, no failure, and no impurity. He had to be perfect. You see, in order for him to pay for our sin to deliver us from our sin, to forgive us our sin, He had to be without sin Himself because He had to take our sin upon Himself. And the rescuer's name I'm talking about today is none other than the one who may be in this passage who spoke to Mrs. Manoah, and that is Jesus Himself. God in the flesh. You see, Jesus stepped down from the splendors of glory from heaven. He robed Himself in flesh became the perfect God-man and lived a sinless, perfect life. And then He voluntarily went to the cross, shed His precious blood, died, was buried, but then rose again victorious. The Bible says that if a person will repent of their sin, that is, turn from their sin and place their faith 
in Jesus Christ, they will be delivered. They will be rescued. They will be freed. They will be forgiven. All the goodness of God toward us in sending us a deliverer, in sending us a rescuer. And so I want to say, first of all today, as you're listening, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. See, we can't do this for you. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ yourself. No one can do it for you. Jesus Christ has done it all. He's paid for your sin. But in order to receive that gift, you've got to trust Him as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I pray today will be the day that you do that. Now, for those who have, let's be honest about it. So I was thinking about the goodness of God and looking at the life of Samson, looking at Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, looking at their home life. Can we just spend a moment and think about our lives? Christian, would you just take a moment and think about your life? I want you to think back through your life. Be honest about it. Can you not see the goodness of God throughout your life? Now, I know you've had hard times. I know you've had challenges. I know you've wrestled. I know that uh, you've dealt with all kinds of things in your life. And not every day has been good, but every day God has been good. And even in the toughest days, even in the hardest days, God faithfully exercised His goodness towards you. Even before you were saved. The fact that He gave you life. The fact that He gave you an opportunity to hear the Gospel and to respond in faith. And to become a child of God. Look back through your life. All throughout our lives, the Lord has been so good. He's been so gracious. God's goodness showers us every day of our life. And the reality is we forget that. Why? We don't mean to. But, but the real situation is we're just busy people. We've got lots of things to do. We, we get distracted. We lose focus. Even in ministry, we struggle with this. We can get so busy doing ministry and serving, we lose focus and we get distracted and we forget how good God is. We forget to turn to Him. And remember, it's of the Lord's mercies, the Bible says, that we're not consumed. It's the Lord's mercies that we're alive this moment. It's God's goodness being exercised in our lives. And I think from time to time we need to just stop and just look back. And we don't have to look far and just begin recounting the goodness of God in our life. There's a song that we do sometimes. The worship team leads us in it. And I, I love the words of it. It goes this way. It starts, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God.
God is so good. We used to sing that chorus growing up. We didn't have a lot of variety, I guess, growing up. We were in kids' choirs and BBS. We learned little choruses and we sang them over and over again. But you know, that was good in the sense that those things got lodged in your head. And you couldn't shake them. Couldn't get away from them. Sometimes you wanted to, but you couldn't. <laughs> they just stayed. But how many of you remember the old chorus we used to sing? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Then we changed the words up. We'd sing, He's coming soon. He answers prayer. We would just keep singing that chorus over and over again. But it all went back to the beginning. For God is so good. Friend, as we're going to look at Samson's life, we're going to find out that the hero of the faith, this hero of the faith, he didn't live the way we think he would live and he did a lot of wrong things. But God in His goodness still used him. Because here's the reality, none of us are good. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the fact that God would use any of us is all of His grace and all of His mercy and all of His love. Because we're not good. The Bible says there's none that's good. No, not one. The only one that's good is God. And He's good every day. And He's good all throughout our lives. And we ought to praise Him for His goodness. Let me give you an opportunity to do that. I want to bow in prayer today. And again, we're just setting the stage. And I hope you'll be back next week as we continue digging into His life. And I'll tell you, just be prepared. If you don't know Samson's life, it's not a pretty picture at times. He gets involved with some women that are not, not nice ladies. He does some things that are just shocking. He ends up dying in a shocking manner. But God was faithful and God used him. And God was gracious to him just as He is to us. Let's bow together. I'm going to give you a moment would you just right there in your seat, would you just thank God for your goodness? Now, if you don't know Him, this is a moment you can turn to Him in faith. Just tell Him you're a sinner. You understand that. You don't want your sin anymore. You want Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He will save you. You mean business today. As He's dealing with your heart there, you can be saved. For those that are saved, would you take a moment? Would you just praise the Lord for His goodness in your life? I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. 
And all my life, you've been so, so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And Father, as we look at Samuel's life, help us to look at our lives. We know that Samuel was or Samson was far from perfect. And Samson failed many times. But you never fail. And you're always perfect. And you even use Samson's life to carry out your will. So use our lives as well, I pray now. Help us in this study to learn and grow as we study Samson. And as we focus on you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing in closing 602. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't read Samson's story, how many times did I say Samuel? A lot? But Samson, if you've not read Samson's story, you've got the beginning there in chapter 13. You can go ahead and read 13, 14, 15, and 16, and you can read about his story and be prepared as we keep studying. But we're going to close in uh, song today, 602, My Savior First of All. And uh, if you have further prayer requests or something we can minister to you, uh, please come. Pastor Larry's here. I'm here. We could be glad to talk with you after the service if you're not saved. And so I still have questions about that. We'd love to talk with you. But let's sing in closing 602, My Savior First of All. Let's stand together and sing. My life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide when the bright and glorious morning I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side and His smile will be the first to welcome me.